Welcome to America's Top Rebbitons. May this class be for Rafu Shalema for Harav Shalom Dov Bear Ben Hayasara. Please click the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitons YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm so happy to have on today's show Rebbitson Sterna Ginsburg. Rebbitson Sterna is a wife, mother, and grandmother. She's the co-founder, along with her husband, of Mazdos Hinoch Gan Yisrael, where she has served as an educator since 1998. In 2012, she founded Energized Living, facilitating workshops where spiritual concepts are the practical tools for cultivating healthier relationships and joyous possibilities. When COVID hit, Rebison Sterna started teaching many classes on Zoom, which led to the development of a virtual community of Jewish women from around the world, united in friendship and supporting the joyful service of Hashem. Her website is energizedliving.org. That's energizedliving.org. And you can check out her many recordings and subscribe to find out about her upcoming free events. Thank you so much for being here, Rebbe Sterna. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Oh, thank you so much. First of all, thank you for what you do. I was very taken by the title, America's Top Rebbe It sounds very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I don't identify, I just want to, just a, a caveat, I don't identify as a top Revitan. <laughs> Today we're very into what we identify as. And I think that we're all, every one of us is a top Revitan. Every single Jewish woman is a top Revitan. Each of us is the one yes. who is empowered to make all the difference in this world and bring us closer to Geula and bring healing and redemption to the world. So just Amen. have to say that. But the work <laughs> they do is 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 wonderful and it's it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So today we are really going to help people discover their awesome selves. I'm really, really genuinely excited about this. Um, you wrote a book called Your Awesome Self. That's the title of the book. It's called Your Awesome Self, in which you reveal the 12 principles of energized living in order to empower women to activate and transformational goodness in their lives. This is really, really a powerful concept. I mean, we're all struggling to navigate life's challenges, and we really, really do want to be happy and fulfilled, all of us. Discovering our inner greatness is a complete game changer in every relationship and in every aspect of our lives. So I feel like we're about to embark on a truly transformative conversation that is going to have such a positive effect on so many women, helping them to step into their greatness. So let's begin. So I know that there are 12 principles of energized living and just due to the time constraints, we can't speak in depth about each principle, but I would like to touch, touch upon as many principles as possible. So can you please uh, talk to us about the premise of your book, Your Awesome Self, and go into detail about some of the principles and how women can really practically apply these principles to their lives? Okay, so I think I'm gonna talk about the, the the core idea, if that's okay with you. We'll start with that and then you take it wherever we wanna go, wherever you wanna, wherever you think your audience would Perfect. wanna go. Um, so I grew up Torah observant, completely Torah observant. My mother is a Gateshead graduate and teacher um, from a beautiful Litvish family. My father is Lubavitch. He very also, they, 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 they were connected in those days, you know, how could a Litvish person marry a Lubavitch person? <laughs> They were united in their love of Torah. Really, really, really. They both just loved Torah. My mother would always quote Navi and my father would, you know, quote Halacha. And, and uh, that was our house. And I'm saying that because, you know, sometimes even when you're very immersed in Torah and, you know, Jewish culture and mitzvahs and um, the way that I was really a house seeped in 
Hashem, where Hashem really was the only operative truth in my house. And yet at the same time, I, as a little girl, absorbed a tremendous amount of shame. Also, I think coming post-Holocaust, um, we did not, many people in, in my generation, I, I would say most, we did not, we grew up in a world without emotions, without the language of emotions. And as a yes. sensitive person, maybe that helped my me develop a tremendous amount of shame. I had no idea what to do with my emotions because emotions weren't a thing. Right, I there agree. There was no such thing. So, you know, so I had all these negative beliefs about myself. The running tape or running commentary in my head. Imagine a podcast, listening to a podcast all the time that tells you you're not good, something's wrong with you. You know, you 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 like what a what a loser. What that's the kind of podcast that I had going on, playing at full blast in my head. Under not really full blast, kind of the background. Not enough for even me for me to notice that it was there, but enough to drain me. And um, and so when you don't have that really secure sense of self, when you have shame, the way I did, when I that and I didn't even realize it. So it's not about whether you realize it or not. I didn't realize it. But I know that I know that now and looking back, I could say that when you don't have that sense of self, like a, a inner core, that it feels attached, secure, one with Hashem, one with goodness, one with peace and love and joy and dignity and courage, that inner rock of, of or that inner island of, of love and, and <clears throat> sorry, and of connection, then every relationship becomes a place. We're desperate for that. We need a self. So if we don't have a self, then subconsciously, we're always on the lookout for one. And then every relationship becomes a place where we're going to, where we use the opportunity to develop a self. And the, and the feedback that we get is, is a matter of life or death. If they compliment me, if they like me, if I'm approved, if I'm validated, I'm good. And if I'm not, I'm bad. And, um, and, and eventually in my own life, that didn't work for me. <laughs> I mean, many women come into marriage the way I did subconsciously. There's a, you know, I'll do anything for you. I'll, 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 you know, I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll take care of the kids. I'll compliment you. I'll build you. I'll do everything. All you have to do is give me a sense of self, make me feel like a million dollars. Now, my husband's a kind hearted soul, but no person could make another person believe that they are good if they don't believe it themselves. 100%. And especially if they don't even realize that they don't believe it themselves. So, you know, if I didn't, if I, if I wasn't completely validated, understood, um, if I was rejected, dismissed, misunderstood, that was the end of me. And that would begin a terrible, you know, negative pattern that would continue on. And everybody who's in a intimate relationship knows exactly what this looks like. I don't have to elaborate. And one day I, somebody asked me if I wanted to learn with them. And um, I said, yes. And, and they, and it was on the Shabbos morning. My children were little, I was not going to show. Um, and, but I could, you know, kind of sit on the couch while they're playing instead of reading a magazine or a Jewish book, I could learn with her for a half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour. Um, and, and so that's what we did. And I was expecting to learn something, you know, quick, easy, simple question, answer, resolution, tell me what to do, the quick list of how to be a better person, you know? Um, and she wanted to learn the deep teachings of the Baal HaTanya. 
which I had never before learned in my life, even though I grew up Chabad. But they're, they're more like intellectual, they're more philosophical, um, not practical do's and don'ts of how to have a more meaningful, productive, happier life. And so we started because, you know, and it was about angels. It was about the Ar-Ain Saif and the Mamali Kalam and the Saif Kalam, different forms of light and, you know, how how the soul comes down to the earth, the process and what it looks like, the Kabbalistic terms. And, and to me, a lot of it was like, I was not interested <laughs> at first, but I, over time, I was in it because she wanted to be there. And over time, what I realized what was happening was this was like, a, became a weekly immersion into a, a mindset. It was like immersing my mind in a reality where Hashem is literally the only operative truth in a way that, and it was as an adult. So it was also, it wasn't just that she was not comfortable just, you know, glossing over words. Okay, whatever, 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 you know, it was more like, wait, what does this look like in our real lives? Where is this going to find a seat in my heart amongst all the other stuff that's sitting there? And so these, we got into really deep conversations but not necessarily about the deep stuff, more about how those deep ideas about Hashem relate to us on a very personal level. And because we were having these conversations, when I walked away from that learning, I was wearing those pair, that pair of glasses. And I started looking at myself differently, looking at my husband differently, looking at my children differently. Over time, I can't even say there was one day that it changed, but I definitely started to see um, I started to become aware of that inner voice of negativity, of toxicity. And I started realizing that I couldn't believe in my shame if I wanted to believe that God is true. And I did want to believe. I always did believe that Hashem is true. I just didn't believe. I didn't realize that I was holding on to so many lies and contradictions. You know what I mean? So the learning, I guess what I would say, turned on a light of awareness of really Hashem is true. If Hashem is absolutely true, then he's the absolute value of the universe, right? And just like, you know, if I would take all the gold and diamonds and jewelry and everything that's precious, all successes, all academics, social, financial, political, all the forms of wealth on one side of the scale, and we put a little bit of Hashem on the other side of the scale, of course, Hashem outweighs everything by far because he's the creator of it all. He animates it all. He powers it all. So by the same light, if we take everything about ourselves, every single thing, our goodness, our weaknesses, and we measure it by weight, you know, how much does it all matter? Of course, our neshama matters infinitely more than all of that. And the more we realize that, the more we absorb that, then we have a self and when we engage in our lives from the place of that self, it's a whole different, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different, um, everything is better. Everything changes. Right. When we right. focus on the holiness of our neshama and that Hashem is the only operative power and that neshama, that um, the neshama is our true essence, that realness of who we are weighs more than, like you were saying, the, like our academics, our wealth, our intelligence, like our material possessions, everything else that we have, because it's not that that's not true. The truth is our neshama and our neshama is, is Hashem. It's a part of Hashem inside of us. Yeah. And you know, many women. So if you ask, if we go back to your question of how did all how did how was all of this an answer to your question of what's the essence of the book? 
And I think the way I would summarize the essence of the book is that, you know, we believe in Hashem. Let me, let me, can I, I'm going to share with you if it's okay. I'm going to share with you another visual. My daughter recently told me that um, she heard or she watched where somebody was telling her, somebody was sharing with the audience about um, an experience that they had. They were a group of 10, 11, 12 intellectual, academically inclined adults. And they, they, were, they, were, they took on a challenge. They were gonna put on virtual reality glasses, headsets. In these virtual reality headsets, they're, the, they're, it's going to appear as if they're standing on the top of a high rise building. Really, their bodies are gonna be on a regular wooden floor on a safe, secure ground. But in the virtual reality, they're gonna be on the edge of a building and it's gonna feel like they're standing at the very edge of it. And the challenge is, could they take one step forward? In the virtual reality, that step would mean plunging to their depths, but it's not true. It's only an imagination, right? It's not actual. Right. Could they do it? Wow. And they were like, sure. You know, we know that we know what we, we before they put on the headsets. They're like, of course, we could we could take that step because we know it's not true. We're we're on firm ground, right? There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do this. But you know what? Not one person was able to take that step. Once they put on those virtual reality headsets, not one person was able to put down, put take that one teeny step. Because in the virtual reality, if felt they, their bodies were experiencing it as if they are in a dangerous situation. And in fact, the group facilitator pressed her hands into the back of one of the women and she fell on her knees, keeled over, sobbing, screaming as if somebody had just thrown her to, the, to, to her death. So why why am I sharing this? Because when I heard this, I was like, wow, that is a visual for the story of our lives because our bodies tell us one thing and our mind tells us something else. Our mind knows Hashem is true. Hashem is the only power of the world. We are safe and secure in his protection. Our mind knows that we have an neshama that's an actual part of Hashem and that gives us value. We have dignity, we have purity, we have untouchable empowerment to choose. We know so many beautiful things about ourselves and about other people and about the world. And yet we live in a world where Hashem is hidden and our neshama is hidden. And on the outside of that hiddenness, there's a different reality. It's a virtual reality where money, fame and fortune and social media has all the power. And so our bodies get one message and it gives our subconscious a message that is very different from what our mind is telling us. And, to, and, and that's why there's a very big disconnect between our, you know, between what we know in our minds about Hashem and, and the virtual reality that we live in. Now, because this is where we're born, I know that for me growing up, I didn't even realize it was a disconnect. I didn't realize that I could say, yeah, Hashem is the only power of the world, but the reason why I'm in a bad mood is because that person ruined my day. <laughs> That's right. a contradiction <laughs> right there. If Hashem is the only power in the world, nobody could do anything to us. 100%. And at the very least, we should have a question because, hey, it looks like somebody you know, is doing something to us, but we don't even have the question. Right, <laughs> right. 
you know, or we could say about ourselves, I'm an idiot, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm, a, uh, I'm horrible, I'm a bad girl, whatever, whatever words we tell ourselves, wherever our parents went shopping for labels or wherever our teachers went shopping for labels, you know, to put on us, but, and to, to you know, to share, to spread forth in the world. But, um, you know, we, 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 we don't even realize that there's, <clears throat> that there's a contradiction. So the book is about busting that bubble of lack of awareness and inviting us to become aware of what it looks like that Hashem is absolutely true because most of us believe that Hashem is true. We just don't realize that we're contradicting ourselves. And so when we, once we realize, once we turn on that light of awareness and we become conscious of what this looks like, we could stop giving so much energy to the lies that we believe, to the contradictions that, that we believe, or to the way that we naturally ignore Hashem because we live in this virtual reality and therefore we can unlock, you know, when we do this work, we could unlock so much goodness that naturally belongs to us, to our birthright, you know, because we do believe in Hashem, we are his children. It's so beautiful. And it's so true because, you know, we spend so much time in our head. He did this to me. She did that to me. This situation happened to me. I'm under these circumstances. And we do. We tend to blame other people or we tend to blame ourselves. And we have that shame. We have that shame toward ourselves. We have that anger toward others and even sometimes anger toward ourselves. But really, it's it's 100% what you're saying. It's ain od milvado. There's nothing other than Hashem. Nothing you know, the fact that somebody said something to you, well, Hashem put that those words into that person's mouth to say it to you because he wanted you to hear it. Why he wanted you to hear it? We may not understand why he wanted he wants us to hear certain things. We may not understand why he wants us to experience certain situations or be under certain circumstances when they're really genuinely painful. And they're, you know, we can't think of any rational explanation of why we should be here, of how we're going to possibly grow from this. How could this possibly be good for, for us? But if Hashem put us in the circumstances, it's he who did it and not somebody else. And I love what you're saying because we do, we do tend to forget, honestly, we tend to, you know, because we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We really, really are. And as we said, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Most of us don't think that. Yeah, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We think we're bodies that happen to have a soul. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But from my point of view, totally, I really, I do believe we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And as part of that human experience, we tend to look at other, you know, other bodies, other things, other people, we tend to live in the materialistic world a lot. And that's why, you know, like, like you said, we often fail to see the truth of Hashem, you know, and how... I was going to say how he's playing in our lives, but he's the only force in our lives. He's the only operative force in the world. But Barry, what you're saying is so beautiful because you already made that decision. And I think that that's what, you know, you've crossed that bridge into making that decision, having that awareness in your life. But, you know, before I did any of this work, I, I didn't even realize there was a decision to be made. I didn't realize that I had to decide what is the real reality? Because most of us use this expression, you know, in the real world, da, 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 da. in the real, you know, world, or, you know, we look at it like, yeah, I know that bitachan means I'm supposed to be feeling secure, but like these emotions are real. This is nothing to do with bitachan. This is not about bitachan. Right. You know, this is not supposed to be touched. This is a separate file. There's that dividing line between heaven and earth. And, you know, spirituality is good, 
and it's meaningful, but only up to a certain point. You know, it, at, at a certain point, it becomes irrelevant to my real life. But once we, we make that decision, what is going to be more real? What, what's going to be more real? Is it going to be our, is Hashem going to be more real than my decision that I am a bad person? Or is my decision that I'm a bad person going to be more real than my, than my awareness that Hashem is good and that his presence within me makes me good? We have to make a choice. Exactly. Once we make that choice, then it's about, you know, making that choice again and again and again in the small pieces of our lives. Exactly. It's about um, creating a mindset and then reinforcing that mindset with every decision that we make. And it takes time. It's really not an overnight process, as I'm sure that you've learned. It really, really takes a lot of time to get into that right mindset, that, that, that mindset that Hashem is running the world and Hashem's world is the real world. Like we're already living in the real world. It's, it's, it's always it's what Hashem wants for us. Again, we may not understand why, but it's what he wants for us. It's the situations that he places in front of us. And it's how we it's how we internalize that concept that's going to guide our decisions and our mindset and how, into how we move forward mm-hmm. in the situation. Yeah. And I think it's even more than a mindset. It's a heart set. Is that I a word? That. I love that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. A heart set because our mind, having our minds on board is not enough. I agree. Because our minds could know it and our bodies just don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And our hearts just don't come along for the ride. Yep. So for me, the way that we can get our hearts on board is, first of all, obviously we need to know it. We need to learn about Hashem. We need to think about Hashem consciously throughout the day. When we say Shema, I mean, Yiddishkeit is built in a way, like the Jewish day, Jewish law is even for women to take time throughout the day, even if we don't officially daven, you know, there are certain things that every woman is going, even if you don't have time because you're a busy mother and you're taking care of children, and that's obviously takes precedence over any other spiritual work because it is the holiest work possible. Even, even so, like Moda'ani, the brachas, Shema, there are certain things that everyone is supposed to say. So these things, if we, you know, you're walking into the room and you're passing by the mezuzah and you touch the mezuzah, or even if you look at it and it's tilted forward, in a signature of Hashem, in a symbol of Hashem, like embracing us. It's like not straight, it's forward. It's like Hashem is leaning in towards us. You know, if we think about that for just a second, it gives us a certain, it it makes us aware. So that's number one, thinking about it, learning about Hashem and thinking about Hashem. Number two is um, deeper thinking and personalizing, like making those personal connections. Well, considering that Hashem has, you know, is, is, you know, the power of the entire universe. That means when I'm looking at my window and I see, you know, there's a bird, oh, Hashem is actually at this moment animating that bird, the bleed of grass, the tree, the storm, the, you know, the, the, the fact that my body is moving is only because Hashem's energy is, is flowing through me. That's like, so that's Bina, like meditating, making that personal connection and, you know, taking that knowledge a little bit more deep, taking, absorbing it. The, the, the last thing, which I think is what crosses the bridge and makes it not just a mindset, but a heart set is being quiet enough to hear our inner resistance to the truth that we want to believe and, and absorbing, like really noticing the inner resistance 
and then making a decision about what we believe is true because contradictions, you know, two ideas can sit on a couch and have a conversation with each other because they're just two ideas, but they both cannot be in the, if, if one is North and one is South, they both cannot be in the driver's seat at the same time. <clears throat> you could go on both sides of the highway, but in, you can only go, you know, and I'm driving, I can only have one direction at that time. Yes. So when ideas contradict each other, we need to decide in that moment, which one is our deeper truth? Which one is our actual personal relevant truth? And in that moment, the contradiction becomes irrelevant. Right. The contradiction becomes irrelevant and it no longer has power. So if we decide, if let's say I'm telling myself, oh, I'm wonderful, I have an ashama, I have every day, I tell myself, I have an ashama, that's beautiful, that's a great start. And then if throughout the day I think about it and I really like absorb the truth and I think, wow, and I visualize, you know, that Hashem is at this moment giving me part of himself to carry. And I visualize this massive, unstoppable, majestic light pouring into my body. You know, that's, that's also beautiful. Very. But what I need to do is also take a quiet moment, you know, and listen to that little voice of cynicism in my heart. That's going to say, really, Sterney? Are you kidding me? I know the way you, you just yelled at your kid yesterday and you, and you really think you're awesome. Are you serious? And you know, the way you daven the other day, that rush, you, you call that, you call that healthy, right? Come on. Right. So unless we, and that kind of, and, 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 and we're so, I used to be so used to having that tape that I didn't even like pay that much attention to it. It was just kind of like noise in the back of my mind. But if we really want to create a, a heart set, like we really want to get our bodies on board, we need to listen to that voice because that's the voice of our subconscious. That's the voice of our bodies. That's the voice of our inner resistance. And that's what we really believe. Like the people, like the people standing in the virtual reality. Yes. They knew that they're not, they knew that they're on firm ground. They knew that they're indoors nowhere near the roof of any building, but their bodies knew something different. And because their bodies knew that difference, they couldn't, they couldn't act. They could not contradict their bodies. We believe our bodies more than we believe our conscious minds. So we really need to get our bodies on board. We need it. It's not just enough to have a, a mindset. We need to make a heart set. I love and, and we do that by listening to that inner resistance in that moment saying, hey, yes, I hear you, but you're actually not true. And here's why you're not true. And, and then I'm going to act on the truth that I believe that takes one little piece of energy out of that. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit in that moment when I made that decision that it's not true. Actually, I detached a little bit from that. And then we have to detach again and again and again and, and, and keep re-centering ourselves and re-attaching ourselves to Hashem's reality. And that's the work. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Okay. So, let, so, so let's get practical. Let's, you know, maybe if we can even give like one or two like practical tools for women to be able to implement this into their lives. So first of all, that tool, let me just say how it's practical. Think about Hashem. Think about a truth that you want to believe about yourself in connection with Hashem. Do you want to believe that because Hashem is absolutely precious, 
because Hashem is the absolutely absolute ultimate value of the universe, because Hashem is unchangeable and unstoppable, you have a part of that inside of you. Yes. And just like, you know, when we have a diamond ring, we never call it a gold ring that has a diamond on it, right? right? Why? Because e even though you have, a, you have this piece of gold and then you put a diamond on it, it could be called a golden diamond, right? Or diamond and gold, right. but we don't, we, we call, it's a diamond ring. Why is it a diamond ring? Because the diamond is so much more precious than the gold. And we identify things by whatever is the most important thing about it. You know, if I have a, a, a $500 picture frame and I put my five-year-old's scribbles into that picture frame, then I have a stunning picture frame with scribbles inside. I have a, I have a stunning picture frame on my wall, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, the frame being a $500, $1,000, real gold, real pearls, whatever it is, is more precious than the picture that's inside. But if I take a very sentimental picture or a very famous, you know, a picture drawn by an, a famous artist and it's worth more because it's so sentimental to me or because it's so expensive, you know, and it's worth $20,000 and the, and the frame is only 500 or a thousand. It's a joke. Like it's a, it's a, oh, that's, that's a, I don't know, name the name of a famous artist. You a know Picasso. Picasso. It's a Picasso. Yeah. Well, right there. It's not, it's no longer a frame. It's a Picasso. Exactly. exactly. So if we recognize that Hashem is the absolute value of the universe, right? Then when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we don't just see our failures, our mistakes, our accomplishments, our achievements, our looks, our habits, our habits or anything external about us. We see godliness. We see majestic, awesome beauty because that's what Hashem is. That's so fantastic. And what I want to say, like even just taking that step further, I love everything that you said because you're so right. When we look in the mirror at ourselves and we see Hashem, we see our the majestic beauty from coming from within, you know, having nothing to do with our facial features or our hair or our body, just that Hashem shining from within us, you know, externally, we also can translate to the way we interact with other people. And we could see Hashem in other people. Like once we have seen it in us, that's once we start identifying Hashem within us for starters, I really do feel like it has to start with yourself. So I really agree with you. And then once it starts with ourselves, we can see it in others. And that's like one vehicle we can use to improve our relationship with our spouse or with our children or with, you know, extended family. I think it's such an amazing tool. Yes. I want to come back to that about others and how I want to talk about two others and how is it going to, how are we going to change? But first I want to stick to, to this yes. because you asked me for the practical tool of that. Yes. So number one, it's decide what you want to believe about yourself in relation to Hashem. Yes. Um, number two, spend time connecting with that idea in a proactive way, thinking about it throughout the day or thinking about it every time in the morning when you wake up and say, Moda Ani, let those words not just be something you mumble to get, you know, mindlessly. Let be mindful, be intentional about what you're saying and spend 10 seconds thinking, Moda Ani Lufanecha. I Moda means I acknowledge. And it also means I think, but first I acknowledge that you are true, Hashem. Melech Chaivikayam, and you're not just true, but your your presence is manifest in this world and you are alive. And you exist right here before me. Shechazarta be nishmasi. You returned a, a part of yourself. You at this moment, you are giving me a part of your very self to carry. 
and to be carried by you throughout this day. The chemla, you're giving it to me with rachamim, with kindness, with graciousness. Rabba emunasecha, great is your faithfulness. You know, emunasecha is Hashem has faith. Who is Hashem having faith in? Hashem has faith in us. You know, Rabba emunasecha Hashem, you know the mistakes I did yesterday. You know my weaknesses. You know my traumas. You know my childhood wounds. You know my personality defects, you know, everything I can ever do, <laughs> you know, you know it all, right? right? You know, my nakedness, you know, my primitive ugliness, and you know, my beauty. And you believe that I'm going to make this a great day. You know, if we think about that 10 seconds every morning and, and, and make up your own line, you know, that to me is what Hashem, Hashem, you know, that's, 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 that's my understanding, but you know, every day we come up with new understanding, right? So number one is think about what you want to believe about yourself in context of Hashem. Number two, take time every day to consciously pull that up in your mind, whether it's when you say Moda'ani, whether it's when you say you affirm the preciousness, the beauty, the purity of your inner self, um, or whether it's when you're saying Shema, you know, or, or throughout the day. Consciously think about it, be proactive about it. And number three, listen out for your inner resistance and pick a side. Pick a truth. Which truth is true? Is shame true? You know, is, is, does, does that voice of shame really carry more weight than the voice of Hashem's presence, than actually what Hashem represents? Does, does this mistake, the fact that you burned cookies or the fact that you um, said the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person or that you, you know, you, you, whatever it is, you're in a shameful situation, you don't have money, you don't have what good health, whatever you're, weigh that against the infinite value of Hashem's presence within you um, and make a decision. Is my shame true or is Hashem true? And of course, we're going to choose Hashem but we have to consciously make that choice. So beautiful, so beautiful. So and so practical. That's <laughs> how we make a, a, a hard set. Yes. But two, two questions that people ask about this. Number one is if I think I'm so awesome, how will I ever change? Ah, huh, interesting, okay. Because we're so used to beating ourselves up and using that as a method of personal growth. If I never beat myself up, how will I ever grow? Mm-hmm. Why would I change if I'm so awesome? Right. And so we're not, my, my answer to this is also, first of all, nobody ever changes because they were sufficiently beaten or criticized or demeaned or put down. Totally agree. Nobody, yeah. it never works. It's a, it's a myth. It's an illusion of the Yitzhahara. Okay. The Yitzhahara, there are certain people in this world, sensitive people who the Yitzhahara knows that they, the Yitzhahara comes and says, how about you skip eating kosher just this one time? How about turn on the light on Shabbos? You'll be much more comfortable if you turn on the air conditioner, you know, turn it off, put on the fire. Um, how about you, you know, you don't wear, I don't know, wear something that's not, that's more comfortable rather than tzniyas, which is, you know, every Jewish woman's challenge, right? Okay. Yes. Um, so everyone has, you know, different challenges, but the Yitzhahara, sensitive people who are Torah observant, the Yitzhahara does not come to us and tell us to sin, but he doesn't go to sleep. Instead, he puts on the coat of a Rebetzin, a top Rebetzin, 
<laughs> I love that. That's why I didn't want to be a top rabbitson. <laughs> top rabbitson, a top rabbi, a long beard, uh, you know, a really sneer stick of shaito or whatever head covering they have, and says instead and, and gets us out of the game. Instead of telling us to do something bad, he the Yetzirah positions us to do nothing right. Because if I'm bad, I will do nothing right. If I believe I am bad, I will do nothing right. A prerequisite for getting anything done is the belief that we could do it. So whether I believe I'm good or whether I believe I'm bad, I will always be proven correct. I will always, my behavior will always prove that I was correct all along. So that's just, you know, shame does not work. It doesn't work for education. doesn't work for our children. It doesn't work, you know, for our husbands, I always say, watched husbands never change. You know, watched water never boils. Right. Watched husbands never change. <laughs> but it's really, it's really, uh, it's really not true because watched water, even if you, you know, watch it for a long, long time, it will feel long, but eventually it will boil. Whereas watched husbands will never change. That's absolute. That it's, is so it's, funny. It's, <laughs> I know, love so, that. <laughs> so shame doesn't work. Self-loathing doesn't work. Hating other people doesn't work. Noticing their faults, noticing their mistakes, noticing their weaknesses, it doesn't work. Nobody, nobody changed from being criticized or looked down upon. You know, so that's, that's just first of all. Second of all, you know, if we believe that we are children of Hashem, that we have a part of Hashem in us, this is not an energy that we have that is supposed to take us to bed with, you know, just now go, now just go relax and sit and have a easy life. Hashem gives it to us for a purpose. Hashem gives it to us for a purpose and that is to shine and let that light be expressed in the world. And to every one of us, that light is going to be expressed in different ways. For some of us, it's chesed, doing things for other people. For some of us, it's learning Torah. You know, for all of us, it's all of these things in different ways and small ways. But the light of Hashem, if we recognize what it is, it's not complacency. We're not talking about a security that is complacent. We're talking about a security that comes with a charge, that comes with a mission, that comes with possibility. You know, we, we got to do this. We got to get this done. And especially as Jewish women, we are charged with the mission to be the front line of, you know, leading the way towards the Geula, leading the Jewish people towards the Geula as our, as the mothers, the Jewish women of history, throughout history, it was always the Jewish women who led the way towards Geula. So now it's up to us too. So if the more we recognize the spiritual power that we have and the beauty in a physical way that it gives us, the more charge we have, the more the more, the more of a mission we feel to get us out of Gullis. <laughs> it's not about get us more comfortable. It's ultimately get us to a better place, of course, but not through comfort, but through, you know, through real hard work and commitment. I love that. I love that. 
Um, so, okay. So I love what you, what you mentioned about the Yetzirah because I do, I, I feel like that's the other side of the coin, that the Yetzirah is really the other side of the coin. And, you know, you describe such beautiful concrete tools that we can really put into practice in our lives today. And, you know, becoming our true and authentic self is really, it's really, really ta- tangible using some of the tools that you described. Um, it really is within our realm to attain the transformation of ourselves from the person that we are now to the person who we really want to be. However, we all have that inner saboteur, like you were talking about, that little voice inside of us that tells us, who do you think you are? We really can't transform transform ourselves no matter how hard we work. You know, you're never going to be on the level that you want to be. You're never going to achieve what you want to achieve. And like you said, I do also believe that this is the voice of the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. So practically speaking, how can we really continue to combat that voice of negativity so that we can really rise into our greatness? Well. Thank you, that's a great question. I think the first thing is to expose it, to see it, to hear it, to know it's there. Right. Um, a, a, a specific example is coming to mind. A woman recently shared this with me on, uh, on, a, on a Zoom teleconference. We, we've started like literally a community of Jewish women around the world who are all growing in connection with Hashem. So and it's just unbelievable. So this is a person who I don't really know on a deep level, but I feel so deeply connected to her because I, I do know her, you know what I mean? Because yes. we're, we're soul sisters. So this is what she shared. She said she's been doing this work for two years. And by this work, I mean of developing awareness of our inner world, of developing awareness of what we believe about Hashem and how we contradict that belief and letting go of the contradictions and the lies and really standing in our truth and engaging in our lives from that place. So she's been doing that for two years. And she recently had an experience and it's a tiny experience. And, and some of you are gonna be like, really? Like you couldn't come up with a better story? No, I couldn't, I'll tell you why. Because the beauty of this is the simplicity. The fact that it's such a tiny little moment because we can all do this. So she had this experience where she went exercising and she put on like a very comfortable shato, but it was, a, she said it was, something that she did not feel pretty in. She said it was an ugly shaitel, an old shaitel. You know, it was like more like a hat. <laughs> and um, she went and she did exercise in that. And then she was wearing it because that was what, that's what was on her head. And, um, and she's walking around her house and a couple of minutes later, the doorbell rings and company has arrived. Now the company was scheduled. These people, this woman or this woman and her family were supposed to come. It was scheduled, but she had completely forgotten. And, um, and for a second, she felt very embarrassed of how she looked. And because she felt so embarrassed of how she looked, she felt herself kind of like shrinking into herself and not being her regular gracious self. But then she's like, she, she's, she's watching this process, right? Because she has this awareness. So she sees herself like, oh my gosh, shrinking into shame. And that shame comes with like, you know, not this warmest, beautiful welcome. But then she's like, wait, they're not coming for my shaito and I am not my shaito. It's okay. She, you know, accepted herself as she was and she was able to welcome them into her house with graciousness, with a big smile and a hug and a warm embrace. And, um, and, and it could be that she afterwards went upstairs and changed, you know, um, to make herself more comfortable. But I asked her, what would this situation have looked like two years ago before you started the work? She said, 
she would just feel horrible. She wouldn't even know why. She would just feel horrible. And then maybe, you know, my understanding of this, because I, I could totally relate to that, having nowhere, you know, that place, because I used to be there, I would feel horrible. And then I would find a reason, because our mind needs a reason why we're feeling horrible, right? And if I wasn't looking inward, I would be looking outward. And it would be something my husband said or didn't say, something he did or didn't do. It would be the light fixture that's broken. Why is it still broken? It's not supposed to be broken. It's supposed to be fixed. Why am I always, why, why do I have to remind you know, people 10 times to think? It would be, it would be my ch children who are not behaving. It would be these people who are being obnoxious. They're really making me feel uncomfortable. They're inappropriate. Something's wrong with them. Why are they even here anyway? I don't even want them. Next time I'll make sure they do not come. Be something outside of myself, right? Not inward, because if we're not looking inward, we're looking outward and we blame our emotions on people, places and things instead of really understanding what in our own selves is triggering us. Now, sometimes people around us are obnoxious and sometimes people around us are at fault for their behaviors. But our mood is always our business. Right. <laughs> and, and there's always a part in our we cannot feel horrible about ourselves if we don't believe that something's wrong with us, if we don't believe it, it's not possible for somebody to get to, to input. Nobody could stick their hands into our brain and put a thought there. Nobody could stick their hands into our heart and put a feeling there. We are the only ones. So that's the simple you know, story of, of what I look as very practical. And the way anybody who's listening to this, the way you can make this practical for yourselves is the next time you're feeling bad about yourself or just a yucky feeling slow down and turn that spotlight in your mind inward and ask yourself in this moment what do I believe about myself what do I believe about myself right. what what do I believe about myself about myself what label am I wearing what words am I using to describe myself and your first answer, if this is the first time you're doing it, it's going to be, well, they did, 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 did. that you're going to start talking. Your spotlight's going to go right back to the other person. But, you know, say, OK, fine. That's what they did. Now, be a gentle teacher to yourself. <laughs> you know, be kind. Say, OK, I got it. Very nice. This is good. You know, like a teacher says, very nice. Good answer. But now that's, you know, let's move on. <laughs> right. So turn the spotlight in and say, what do I believe about myself? What words am I using to describe myself? Not what they said. But what commentary am I making up about myself? What story am I telling myself here? Or what position do I have in this story? Am I the key player here? Am I holding all the power in this relationship? Like my power in this relationship? Or do I feel like the other person has all the power and they're the ones who are calling all the shots? And they get to choose everything and anything of what's going on and what's going to happen right here, right now. You know, so turning that spotlight inward is going to lead us to discovery of what we believe. And if we can, and, and if we, one second, the first thing is to keep learning about Hashem. And I think after you, you've learned, you've listened to this conversation, it, I hope with Hashem's help um, and thanks to Vera that you already have a little bit of awareness, but take it further, think about it more, talk about it with your friends. You know, learn Shara Bitachin. So we get, you get this, you know, the, the presence, the actual practical presence of Hashem's place, the actual value of Hashem's presence in our lives becomes more real and more tangible. 
and, and more practical. Yeah. And then when you're feeling bad or sad and you're feeling like deflated or defeated or despair or, you know, just yucky because something just happened, slow down when you can and look inward and ask yourself what you believe about yourself. And that process will lead you to discovery of what you're talking about, Vera. That's going to be the Yetzirah's message because the signature of the Yetzirah is disempowerment and shame. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's not going to position us to do bad. It's going to position us to do nothing right. Right. It's, it's fascinating. I love that. And, um, and then we have a decision to make. Yeah. It's our decision. Wait, do I want to be saying that? No, I don't. So we want to reframe, yeah. rethink, and reaffirm what we believe about ourselves. And so let's say in that situation, what she did was, whereas in the past before, she would just be feeling yucky and maybe blame other people and maybe just blame herself and maybe binge eat or do whatever we do to avoid, escape that horrible, yucky feeling, that ache in our hearts, Yep. right? But instead she looked inward and she said, oh, I believe that I'm not good enough because I'm wearing a ratty shato on my head. Oh, but that's not really what I wanna believe. Okay, so done with that, next. But that doesn't prevent her from putting on a shato, you know, a, a shato that makes her look prettier because, right. you know, it's like, no, it's not really what I wanna believe, I'm good. So she reaffirmed that to herself. And that's the most simple, practical thing that each of us can do. It doesn't take time. Um, it does take consciousness. Yes. It does take a little bit of slowing down. But I have to tell you, it takes a lot more time to binge eat or binge watch or binge shop or get into a fight and be in that negative spiral. That takes a lot more energy and a lot more health. So slow down, take a couple of seconds. And, and if you can't do it in the moment, because most of us are like busy, coming, going, doing, definitely find a time every single day before you say Shema, before you wind up the day, or maybe if that's too late in the day and you're too tired, take time, just like you take time to feed your body. So important to take time to feed our soul and just process and be present with ourselves and for ourselves so that we can give ourselves what we need to be the light that we are shining for our families, for our husbands, for our children, for the people that we love and the world that is our mission to transform into a place for Hashem. Amen. That is so, so, so beautiful. And I'm, I'm looking at the time and unfortunately we're, we're, we're winding down, but I know that you did want to say one more thing about, you wrote something down about others that you want to say something about others. So did you want to say something quickly about that? I feel like we already covered it, but what I was going to say is that you, you, you were speaking about, um, you know, respecting that we, you know, respecting ourselves first and from that place coming to a place of others. A lot of people think that, you know, doing this work is going to make us self-centered. It's going to make us selfish. It's going to make us, you know, um, less giving. We're going to be more into our self-care and we're not going to be there for the other people. I really believe that there is a possibility that a person could become selfish, you know, but usually we become selfish when we feel a need to protect ourselves. Yes. And the reason we feel a need to protect ourselves is because we don't really have a self. A hundred percent. Yes. If I don't have a self, you know, if you look at a tree, there's the flowers, the branches, the leaves, the big limbs, even the trunk. But what really is giving life to the tree is the roots underneath and the nourishment, the attachment to its source underneath the ground. 
that's what's really giving the tree. So imagine if you take a, a, a if you're looking at a sapling tree, like a little tree, right? And you're, and you're trying to help it grow. And all you're focused on is the fruits, you know, and what, what did, you, did, 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 it, did it grow fruits yet today? And, and you're not going to nurture and nourish and, and, and give strength to the roots. The tree will die. And it's really the same with ourselves. All of our avodah Hashem, everything good that we're ever going to do and every relationship that we have begins with a healthy attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A hundred percent. And the more we're aware that we are carriers of his light, the more we want to let that light shine. Of course, not just for ourselves, because it's not meant for ourselves. It's for everyone. And I also feel like the more we, we realize this, you know, in the world, you know, there's like, there's a hierarchy. There's because we measure people by money, by looks, by fame, by social success, by financial success, by political, whatever accomplishments, all that stuff. So from that perspective, you could have a better person and a worse person. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I believe that we are, you know, from the place of a healthy sense of self, there is, um, we are walking on firm ground and we're walking alongside our fellow sisters. Nobody is better than me and I am not better than anyone else. But when we don't have that sense of self, we tend to do one of two things. Either we climb up into like a high rise tower, we gossip, we criticize, we condemn, we judge other people. And subconsciously that's becoming, that becomes our identity because like, I know I'm not so great. Like I know I do wrong things, but like, look at that. Ah, at least I'm better than that person, you know? And it makes us feel good to gossip in, in that way. Because so if we find ourselves gossiping and talking about other people and judging other people and just yenting, I don't know how to say that in, in, in English, just like talking about other people. Yes. You know, it's, it's not healthy to talk about other people. Subconsciously, it makes us feel better. It puts us on a certain pedestal yeah. where it kind of gives us an identity of like, I'm good because that is not me. That, that ugliness, that shameful behavior, that, oh, that person's in prison. Oh, that person got divorced. Oh, that person had a miscarriage. Nebuch, you know, even feeling sorry for other people is, is a judgment. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yes. it's, um, so that's one way we lose our sense of self, or if we don't have a sense of self, we tend to live there. Right. You know? Um, and another way is we, we see ourselves, we, we get into the pits and we see ourselves lower than other people. And we identify ourselves in that way. Well, I know I'm really bad, but like, if that person gives me attention, if that person is kind to me, if that person gives me approval, validation, you know, then I'll be good. And you know what? They're an idiot if they don't. They're disgusting because they know how much I need it. You know, they know how much I need it. Right. I keep telling them, thank you. <laughs> I keep telling them how much I appreciate it. They know how much I need it. So why aren't they giving it to me more? You know? Right. Um, and we see ourselves as less than anyone. So where we want to be. And I think throughout the day, I know myself, sometimes I could like slip, slip, slip up, or I could slip down. And where I want to try to come back to is the center where we're really, I am not better than you. You are not better than me. Nobody is better than me. And I am not better than anyone else. And we're all sisters trying our best in service of Hashem, in joyful service of Hashem. And we don't want to be better by comparing ourselves to other people. We want to, and we don't even, the, there's no such thing as being better. We are already as 
doesn't, you can't be better than Hashem. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we're a carrier of Hashem's light. We're, we're Hashem's reflections in this world, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, but we could show, we could show up with, with, you know, with letting our light shine more brightly than it did yesterday. We could become more transparent to Hashem's presence within us. I love it. Um, so beautifully yeah. said. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebetzin Sterna, for joining us on America's Top Rebetzins. We really enjoyed having you here. We learned so, so much. This has been a very powerful interview. And may um, all our learning that we did today be for Rafu Shalema, for Harav Shalom Dov, Ber Ben Haya Sarah. Thank you. Thank you again so much. Thank you.